Hi there, it's Melvin. Just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Thryzer for supporting this month's podcast sessions. Thryzer is a payment platform that you have to check out if you are a private pay therapist and accepting out-of-network benefits. It basically helps clients save on therapy up front. Thryzer can help verify a client's out-of-network benefit ahead of the first session so that they get transparency up front on what their out-of-pocket costs will be. I'll tell you more about Thryzer here in the middle of our session, but if you go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, you actually end, then enter the code STC upon sign up, you get your first $2,500 in fees waived. Again, that's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, and be sure to enter the promo code STC. So we'll jump right into today's podcast session. Hello, hello. Welcome to session 268 of Selling the Couch. I hope you are doing well. So I'm actually recording this about five weeks early. I've been trying to get ahead on podcast episodes just so that I don't get stressed out. And that way I can also focus on really bringing quality guests and not scrambling to create podcast episodes. But I actually wanted to share some pretty fun, interesting news with you. So I have been with Lipson, which is my podcasting host, and I've been with them since I started the podcast. So Podcast Joseph is basically where the place where a podcast is stored. And then these podcast hosts basically distribute the podcast to different mediums. So if you're listening on, for example, on Apple Podcasts or Google Play Music or Amazon Music or Spotify, whatever, right? So these podcast hosts will distribute it there. I've been happy with Lipson, but then, you know, recently there was a new company they've kind of launched in the last year that I've been really curious about called Captivate. And I decided to try them out and I've been really happy with them and think I'm going to make the switch. So practically what this means is if you go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcast, the page is going to look really different now. And it's going to be just make it a lot easier to listen to the podcast on the um, on the actual website itself. And then you can also subscribe there. And then the other major thing I wanted to announce was that we have transcripts for the STC podcast. I'm so sorry that it's taken so long to create these and to actually roll this out. Transcripts get a little bit expensive. And I just honestly, I, I've something I've been wanting to do for a long time, but just didn't have the funds available. And I asked our colleagues if they could just help me and support in doing this by becoming a member of the STC Learning Series last year. And so many folks chipped in and we were able to get that to happen. We still definitely um, are always looking for. Um, for more folks to join the learning series, if that is something you're interested in, it's basically take these podcast guests and I often have them as Q&A guests. And so it's an opportunity to actually interact with them. And you can learn more about that over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash learning. So today's podcast is a super niched and interesting perspective because I know that many of us are either thinking about creating an online course or a membership site or some combination of the two. And my guest is Jennifer McGurk. Uh, Jennifer is 
a registered dietitian out in New York. And she is, her website is over at Eat With Knowledge, which is her group practice site. And then her website for her coaching of dietitians, um, she has something called Dietitian Business School. And that is at pursuingprivatepractice.com. And I wanted to have Jennifer on because she made this transition from having a one-off online course to transitioning that into a membership course or a membership model. So basically what that means is, you know, you are paying like, for example, single payment $497 or $667 for an online course. And then she decided to transition that to a recurring model. And uh, we're going to talk about that transition, the good, bad, and the ugly, just in case that I know that many of you guys might be even thinking about that. And I definitely have quite a bit of experience as well, having launched my own podcasting course back in 2015 and then transitioning it to a membership model in 2018, just because of just the stress of managing a online course and all of the things and just realizing and thinking through a lot of the lifestyle that I wanted. Hey friends, we are on sabbatical from the STC podcast. This is my first sabbatical in seven years, but we will be back in April with brand new episodes of the STC podcast. In the meantime, there are a lot of things happening still with STC. Uh, Among them is a brand new workshop that we put together for you that you can sign up at a date and time that works for you. If you are a successful private practitioner and interested in launching an online course, you can check out that workshop over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. Again, that's sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. So we'll get right to today's podcast session. Here's my conversation with Jennifer McGurk from Pursuing Private Practice and Eat With Knowledge. Jennifer, welcome back to Selling the Couch. Hi, Melvin. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you. I've really enjoyed our last conversation. I'm so grateful that you reached out. Um, You are doing just so many neat things in the world, so many out-of-the-box things. And yeah, I'm just grateful, one, you reached out, and then two, just to hear about the journey and share all the lessons and all those things that you've learned. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm so grateful for your work, too. We were talking before we hit record about how mental health is so needed right now and therapists are doing such an awesome job. So anyone out there listening, thank you for your work too. It's a time where people really need mental health services. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I do feel, you know, so grateful to be part of this profession. You know, I don't know that I could have, I mean, who could have imagined something like this, but you know, you know, I think one of the things that's really been on my mind, especially through this pandemic. I think it was there before, but it's kind of accelerated. It is this question of like, what do I want my career to look like? And where do I want to focus my energy? And, you know, one of the things that I've kind of realized is I actually want to eventually just completely pull back on one on one work, you know, or if I have to do it, it's kind of more higher priced and it's very limited. And I think one of the ways that you can do that is through online courses and membership sites. You know, I think there's like a lot of information online about how to do these, all of that kind of stuff. But, you know, I wanted to hear from you because you have, you had an online course, you transitioned it to a membership site, you know, you're actually doing it, right? And yeah, I'm just so grateful, I think, for this conversation. 
Yeah. Thank you so much for letting me to share my story. So I, yes, I did have a course and I was in your, uh, the same situation that you had just said, I was seeing clients and I had been seeing clients at that point for probably seven years or so in private practice. And even more before that, before I started my private practice. And I did get to the point where I was, I don't want to say burnout, out, but I just wanted to do something different. I felt like I would, cause I specialize in eating disorders. I felt like everyone's story is very different in a way, but I was seeing the same thing over and over again. And I just thought to myself, like, I really want to work with dietitians as well to teach them all of the knowledge that I've learned over the years from working with clients and my own supervision and just everything that I've learned about business. So that's when I started my second company pursuing private practice and pursuing private practice really was for dietitians to start and grow a business. So it, long story short, it started out as a book series. It turned into a DIY course, and then it kind of morphed itself into a group program slash business coaching, hot seat stuff, Facebook group. And it just got way too big for a one-time purchase. And I felt like I was coaching forever. So I turned it into a membership. And that membership, Dietitian Business School, has really done awesome in the past six months since it's been open. And I've been able to bring on team members and really help dietitians in a way that feels so good because I'm giving them so much support. And I'm not burnout because it's a membership versus a one-time course payment. So I'm happy to talk and elaborate on that process because it was a journey <laughs> to transfer it from a course to an actual membership. Yeah, no, it is uh, It is quite a bit of a journey. So for those of you guys who are listening, I had a very similar process, I guess, back in like 2018, where I had my Healthcasters podcasting course, and then it was a single payment. And then I got to this point where, for me, like I... I hated doing these launches and I hated the, like you said, the one-off kind of payments. And then I just began to think about, you know, how, you know, I think the question that you just, or the the statement that you said of thinking about like your own personal health, you know, and how do you sort of scale this while preserving that aspect? Right. Yes. Yes, definitely. I think courses are great. And, and for anyone out there interested in even doing a course, I think courses are really great for information and really awesome to start someone on a journey, but let's face it. I mean, a lot of times the business gurus out there that are teaching people how to sell courses are basically saying, Oh, it's passive income create once and sit on the beach and watch your money roll in, which I absolutely hate. I feel like it's diet culture in what I do, I'm an eating disorders dietitian. So I feel like it's this false message of hope, but yet the reality of it is that your people are going to have questions. They are going to need to process the information. They are going to want to bounce ideas off of somebody and you can provide more than just the information as a course but if you do that, you're probably creating a Facebook group or you're having people come to group calls. And that, in my opinion, I have learned kind of the hard way, like that's a membership. That's not a course. So I, you know, was doing this one-time course all the way up until I probably knew I needed to change January, 2020 before the pandemic. But once March hit, what happened to me was just, oh my gosh, like my people need help. <laughs> so I added extra group calls to my course. I added more prompts in my Facebook group. 
I added so many different like workshops and things like that. And I saw that my dietitians were getting so many results from it. They were actually doing better. And this was where COVID was really like starting to hit our, at least in the United States, like in March was starting to hit our country and people with eating disorders were really struggling. So the dietitians were really struggling and no one really knew what was going on. So I felt like all the support that I gave my dietitians in my course was so helpful and I could see the results happening. I could see people making better connections. And I almost created a little bit of a mock membership in that Facebook group and group calls. And then I decided like, okay, I, this is, this is working, but I need to really officially change my business model. Yeah, that's cool. So a lot of like really great information. I want to like break it down yeah. like really here. So practical kind of tools. The group was on like what was it on Facebook or was it on a like how did you what where was the group actually housed? So the course started out as information in Teachable. I use Teachable and I really like Teachable, although you can use whatever platform you want. I really, so I did information in Teachable and then we had a Facebook group and we had Zoom group calls once a month, just as a quick Q&A. And it was great. It was awesome to connect with people, but I personally don't feel like that's enough of a connection for a lot of people. Like people need constant reminders. People need to feel supported. People need to process. So once COVID hit, I really stepped up to the plate and I said, my people need me. And granted, meanwhile, Melvin, I mean, I know, but you, I know, you know what it's like to have children at home. My two kids were home. We lost our babysitting for a couple months, but you know, I looking back, I don't even know how I did that, but I did it. But yeah, we were meeting over zoom with the group calls. So you would see in my old Members, my old um, course site, it was literally like 15 group calls, just one after the other. That's not a course, that's a membership. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, it's such a good like way. So, you notice like you looked at the practical schedule and you were like, yeah, oh my gosh, like this isn't sustainable. Yeah. So, you said it so clearly though, but like this is not a course, this is a membership. I mean, was it as clear cut in your mind or was this like, oh, oh my gosh, I'm going to betray like my, you know, like the model that I went, like all of that, you know? It was, so it was clear cut in my mind, but how do I say this? It was not clear cut in my, my heart, maybe in my soul. Like I, my brain knew that I needed to switch, but my heart had a really hard time with it because I felt like I was going to betray the dietitians that had signed up for my course. I felt like, and I had a little bit of imposter syndrome, like who am I to run a membership program for dietitians in business? Cause I feel like everyone has imposter syndrome when they start something new. And I really just felt like, oh my gosh, like what if people don't like it, that, that scary type of feeling. But then I thought to myself, and there's so many parallels, in my opinion, with running a business and eating disorder recovery, which is what I focus on in my practice. Like my clients do hard things all the time. They really battle eating disorder thoughts and behaviors and feelings every single day, like sometimes even every single hour. And to think about all the clients that I have helped and I've, you know, I've said to them, you can do hard things. I kind of said to myself, like, I can do hard things. 
and I can make decisions from a place of where I want to be. And almost by making that decision, I hope to inspire other people and other business owners that they can make those hard decisions too. And not everyone is going to like your decision. That And that's just, it goes without saying, even if you were to stay in the same exact model, some people are not going to like that decision. So you have to almost make a decision based on what's best for you as an act of self-care. How do you deal with that? part, because that's the part I often struggle with, which is knowing there's going to be a percentage of people that will be upset by this. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And honestly, I don't know if I have a great answer with that because I feel like it, some people are more sensitive than others. Some people are more empathetic than others. Some people just feel other people's energy. But I think what I said to myself is, you know, you are going to have some people that are not going to like this decision, but you have to think about what's best for you. Because if you burn out, there's going to be no online business and you really want to do this. Like this is your passion. This is your calling. I almost felt like, I know that that's a little woo, but, (laughs) but I love it. Like, this is my calling. This is what I want to do. And I think also to seeing other people's memberships and not in, not in like a comparisonitis type of way, but seeing other people's memberships really work and being a part of other people's memberships healthcasters included, because I was a part of healthcasters for a long time. I saw that people were doing it. And I saw that other people are turning their models into memberships too. So that was really helpful to see other people reaching goals that I wanted to do as well. Yeah. You know, I think that's a really good point. And I, I would say for those of you guys who are listening, one thing that was really helpful for me, I don't know that I thought about it, but I feel like there's a common overlap between our two courses in that I think there's some wisdom, even if you want to start with an online course, initially, I think there's some wisdom in in just thinking like, is the content of this online course, is it possible to move it or scale it into a membership model, right? Yeah. Like, can you add things like, I don't know, I can't think of like a tangible example of hand, like where that wouldn't be beneficial, but I don't know, just asking that simple question, I think was really helpful for me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it also depends on your content and your Mm. mission too. And for me, like I teach dietitians, especially non-diet dietitians, which is like anti-diet, eating disorder recovery, intuitive eating, Mm -hmm. weight-inclusive dietitians. Like I'm in a very special, specific niche. So I teach dietitians how to run a business from that lens and There, I mean, diet culture is everywhere. There are mixed messages with marketing everywhere. Like my people need to process, they need to experiment, they need to try, they have questions on not just business stuff, but clinical cases. Like they need, we all need a lot of support, but like, I feel like, especially my dietitians, we need a community and a lot of support sometimes because we're battling against diet culture, which is so normal especially if we're recording in January, especially this time of year. So it's important for them to feel supported. And I just felt like I couldn't give the amount of support that I wanted to give in a one-time course. Like I almost needed to hold their hand with more group calls and more accountability, more team members, more people other than me, which I couldn't really afford to do when it was a one-time thing. Now I can bring on a lot more people, which is really awesome. That is really awesome. What were the components when it was just a one-off course? Like it was the course, the community, yeah, and then the monthly coaching. And then what was what's the, what is it now? Okay, so I'll tell you my mistake. My mistake <laughs> with <laughs> the course, which for anyone listening, you can totally learn from my mistake. The mistake with the course was that it was just a course and people were paying for a course. And then I added 
Facebook group. I added the group calls. So mm. they, they didn't expect it almost at first. And again, my course started in 2017. Once it grew and I was launching over and over again, I would talk about these things, but that's, you know, that was my mistake to kind of just do that. Just here you go, <laughs> which I love doing. Don't get me wrong. I don't regret anything I've done. Um, but now dietitian business school is, well, first of all, when I decided to revamp the course, I should say, this is important. I decided it was time for an update. Because that's another thing that a lot of the business gurus don't tell you. They say, make a course and record once, and then yeah. you're going to be making money in your sleep and you can go on vacation all the time. You don't have to work. And that's like totally not true. So you have to really record your information in a course, probably every, I mean, I don't know what you would say, Melvin, every two, three years, maybe like things are different. Yeah. Things are updated. Yeah. I mean, it's a great point. So for me, at least with healthcasters, and I actually, and just being completely transparent, I don't think I have done a, as good of a job as I could. I mean, partly it was related to, you know, having the baby and just having such limited time. But now what I've started to do is actually check in with the community twice a year, like January, July-ish, saying, hey guys, what things need updating? I think the general parameter that I've been following, if it's like a course that's related to something that's like rapidly evolving, something like podcasting, like you probably need to do it more frequently. Whereas if you, if it's like topics that are have, I guess, some evergreen potential, I think you can go through and tweak as needed, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a really good point that there's obviously no right answer. But thinking about your niche and like who you're serving and the updated information and things like that is such a good point. So I felt like it was time for an update from me for, for dietitian business school. So I re-recorded all of the lessons. So basically there's three parts. It's the business education part. So it went from 10 to 20 lessons. I actually added, I doubled the content there because there's just so much information with business. And I wanted to also expand away from helping people just in one-on-one -on -one to helping people, especially dietitians that are in the non-diet space, like run group programs and maybe even for themselves launch an online course. I have like amazing dietitians that are even, it's, it's so interesting because intuitive eating and a weight inclusive approach is a niche in and of itself. But then I have some dietitians that are even like sub niching within that niche. So they have potential for amazing courses because they're so specialized. Like Running an intuitive eating course is a great idea, but there's so many of them out there. If you can take it a step farther, you know, either intuitive eating for moms or intuitive eating for people that want to live a vegan lifestyle or intuitive eating for, for athletes, you know, weight inclusive approach for body liberation and fat positivity and even things like that. Like you have a better course because you're so specific and you're very, very niched. The riches, this is like a Pat Flynn, or I, I don't think Pat Flynn's the original person, but I think it's when he quotes, riches are in the niches. Mm -hmm. And I yeah. think that's so true. Yeah, I see that sometimes like with, with um, you know, colleagues, like, for example, they'll be like, I want to create a meditation course. But then, you know, the question to always ask is like, why would someone purchase your general course when there's like so much one free information available online? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so. Point being, I wanted to help my dietitians go into more of those areas. So basically with pursuing private practice, it changed over from a one-time course just on like one-on-one -on -one counseling to business education. So that's the first part of dietitian business school. The second part is supervision and nutrition counseling. So how do we, you know, sticky customer service situations, right? We've all been there. <laughs> 
how, and, and this is, this is so common for therapists, Melvin, but when I say supervision, it's not normal in the dietitian world. So it might be a little bit more normal in the, you know, eating disorders world for dietitians, because we're working with so many therapists, but you won't believe the amount of like transference and countertransference issues that come up that dietitians don't even know what that is, what they are. So, and of course, all the therapists out there are probably like, how in the world is that happening? I feel like dietitians need to learn from therapists, <laughs> which is the main point. So there's that section in there. So we do group supervision calls three times a month. We do business strategy once a month, group supervision three times a month. And then we actually started a self-care aspect of dietitian business school because so many of us struggle with boundaries, raising rates, how to say no, you know, money mindset things like, so we have a self-care call every single month. And we also talk about that in our community and our Facebook group. So my team and I figure out like who's struggling with what we talk about all the members all the time. And we figure out like, what can we do for them with prompts and like trying to get other people to help them with certain issues. And I just absolutely love that part of dietitian business school, because I mean, it's not all about hustle, hustle, hustle all the time. It's also about taking care of yourself and knowing what's realistic. Yeah, right. Absolutely. So that, yeah, so that you're resting so that you can be creative when you need to be, right? Yeah. And setting boundaries. Right. I wanted to, man, we like flew through our time. So we've got about five minutes left, but um, I wanted to ask you, what was a big mistake that you think you made as you transitioned from having this online course to a membership model? Oh, that's a good question. I feel, I feel like, I don't know if I have a big mistake, but I feel like I have lots of little mistakes. Okay, I don't know if that right. counts, but. Give me like, you know, three I of think, your little mistakes. Okay. Right. I think assuming that everybody would come over with me, you know, not everybody did, which is total autonomy and that's 100% okay. I think thinking that I had the answers to a lot of things in business, which I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I feel like I know a lot, but I'm not the best at everything. No one is. So I feel like thinking that I could do all of the lessons, maybe without bringing in some other people to help me. So, you know, once I got to some of the topics that I really wanted to talk about, I definitely brought some people in and I'm going to be continuing to update those lessons, you know, especially things like social media. I'm not a social media guru whatsoever. So when I update the social media lesson, I will definitely bring in someone else that knows a little bit more than me. I also think too, I mean, Thinking about how much pursuing private practice has evolved, I feel like my other little mistake, which I'm correcting now, is thinking that I could just do it, like run it all. My team, I mean, I have two employees and I think at this point I have like four retainer contractors and I use a couple people every once in a while too. Like I have a big team and I'm not afraid to be honest about that because I feel like it's so good for other dietitians to see, like, you don't have to do it all. You can definitely have help and support. That's actually my word for 2021 support. You can have support and like grow a big business, employing other people, creating jobs. You don't have to be the best at everything and do everything. Yeah. That's such a one. I think that requires such a level of humility to realize that. And then two, in, in some ways, like it's so empowering to realizing there are people who can do it better than you and that you don't have to have that pressure on yourself to like, you know, create something and then wonder like, Oh, I'm, you know, not the best at it, but hopefully this is helpful. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm not the, when I got somebody to do my sales pages that 
look so beautiful. I'm telling you, I almost, I gave her some of my old sales pages. I was like, I'm a little embarrassed. I want, you to know, I did this. <laughs> and she's like, this is, this is my perfect job. You know, it's, it's just so funny how someone can do something so much better than you. And I happily pay her money every single month to do the things that I do not do well. So, yeah, I think that's such a, one of the most valuable lessons I've learned as a business owner is like having the humility to realize what you're like amazing at and focusing on those, but then having the humility to realize that you're not good at everything and actually having the wisdom to figure out who is really good at it, right? So then, and then bringing them on board so that you have a more complete team, you know? Yeah, exactly. Last question for you. What advice would you give to a clinician that is either launching an online course or making this transition from a online course to a membership model? Oh, that's a good question. I think, I think my answer would probably be different for both. If that's okay. I feel on like, if you're launching an online course, I feel like so many people, and I see this all the time in my group too. So many people are working on the course, waiting, doing really amazing work on the course without telling their audience that they are building it. I think the biggest piece of advice I have, if you're launching something, especially something new to the world, you have to bring your audience into the process with you. Not only is it great for marketing because you're actually telling people that you are doing this project and you can talk about it 10 times before you launch it. And then when you launch it, that's the 11th time someone might have heard about it. They're definitely going to buy. And then if they feel involved it is so awesome, not only for your business, for your sales, but also for creating the content for your perfect person. If someone is telling you from your audience what exactly they want in a course and what they would like to see, like they are investing their energy into your product, that's a perfect customer for you. So I think asking your people what they want, figuring out what are the topics that they want, the delivery of it, what would be best for them. We have to talk about our things before we launch them, yeah. which is, what, you know, something that a lot of people don't do. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I would just add to that, like, I think there's a way to authentically sell, you know, like, yeah. And I think like a lot of, a lot of us, I think we get scared of the word selling, right? We think it's like some, some sort of like slimy, whatever thing, easy things. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for me, it's like realizing that if we have something that can truly help people, it's actually our responsibility to share that knowledge with them. And I think if you come from that perspective of just genuinely wanting to help, I think like it really can lessen some of that, like, sleazy feeling and you know all of that kind of stuff and people are smart on social media they know like i feel like they know between the slimy sleazy versus the like hey guys like this is what i'm doing you know oh my gosh and they have a right to say no they have a right to say no and i sometimes even remind people that even to make myself feel better a little bit like okay this is for you if this this is not for you if this you know, it's like when, when I sell dietitian business school, if you're just starting a business, like at stage zero, and you don't know anything about forming a business entity or anything about like, you know, the topic at hand, it's, a, this is not the perfect membership for you, you know? And I, then I have resources to send them to other places if they want something and I'm not the right match and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What piece of advice would you give someone that's making a transition from a 
course to a membership model? Yes. I would say probably not everyone is going to follow you Mm. and knowing that you are probably going to make some people upset, knowing that it's okay to stand in your boundary or your self-care if the membership model is really the best thing for you, which I think a lot of it, a lot of times it is for course creators or clinicians that have been doing a lot of coaching on the outside of things. Like I feel like that happens a lot in courses. So that might be my piece of advice, although I'm not a membership expert by any means, but I am sure that it happens to a lot of people. Not everyone is going to agree. Yeah, absolutely. And I think honestly, like I would rather have speak to someone like you who's actually doing it right. And has, has that sort of experience, you know, Jennifer, I am just so grateful for you. Uh, Where can we learn more about you, the business, the membership site? Please let us know. Yes. So I am at pursuingprivatepractice.com. I also have a podcast called Pursuing Private Practice, which Melvin helped me set up through Healthcasters. So I owe you and your group a lot. That podcast is really for dietitians building a business. We talk a lot about different stories about business growth and the hard things and things like that. So I, that's my podcast. You can find me there. I also have a group private practice that specializes in eating disorders. That's at eatwithknowledge.com. We are virtual right now, but hopefully going back to a local space soon, fingers crossed. So we are taking clients from mostly the New York area. So that is just one thing to recognize. We get a lot of inquiries from all over the place, but we have, a, we have a great directory of dietitians that have gone through Dietitian Business School to send out to people, you know, that want eating disorder help, but we are, you know, mostly local. Jennifer, thank you again for doing this and have a great rest of your day. Thanks, Melvin. Bye. Hey there, hope you enjoyed my conversation with Jennifer. And especially if you have been thinking about either an online course or a membership site, I hope that today's podcast session has just been really helpful for you and gave you a more honest look at, you know, some of the things that go into both creating an online course and a membership site. I was just thinking about this conversation with Jennifer and I wanted to share just a couple of things and just reinforce a couple of things that I too have learned. So the number one thing is whether you create an online course or a membership site, both of those require some sort of upkeep. I don't, at least in my experience, I have not had something where you create an online course and it's like set it and forget it. You can automate a lot of it for a period of time, but especially with things like needing to update course content or membership site content, all of those things require some sort of like active energy. It doesn't mean that it has to overwhelm you, but it's just something that you sort of have to plan and think through. So I just wanted to make sure that that was clarified. As Jennifer said, I think sometimes in this internet space, there are a lot of folks who claim, you know, that courses or membership sites are kind of this golden goose. And, you know, if you it's like a set it and forget it kind of thing. The second thing that I just wanted to I take away and just encourage you with is, you know, for an online course and a membership site, it it's interesting. It runs a lot like a traditional business in the sense of like the success of an online course and a membership site, assuming you've validated and all of those things, it's only as good as your systems. So for example, customer service is something that I have not done. I didn't actually do the best job with initially. I think we've gotten significantly better with it, but 
there's just, you know, certain things like, for example, that folks in your online course or membership site, they may need customer, you know, they may need a credit card updated, or they may need to cancel their payment or pause their payment or, you know, something or a credit card doesn't go through for some reason. Right. And so just thinking through like all of these different things with regard to what to consider and what to and coming up with like a systematized process. I'm using currently Notion to outline all of these different things, almost like a checklist, so that even if you, which you should delegate some of this stuff, eventually someone has a template to go off of. Jennifer mentioned a number of resources, and you can again find that on the show notes page over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash session and the number 268. And then also, I mentioned this like briefly before, but last year I released an A to Z online course guide. So if you are thinking about creating an online course and just want some help and feedback, I created this free guide, just a lot of the, I try to just be open and honest about like the good, bad and ugly and lessons that I learned from creating the Healthcasters course, which you know, started off really slow and we have grown it slow and steady. And uh, in 2019, very fortunately, I think just through a lot of support and help and a lot of colleagues trusting me uh, past the uh, six-figure revenue mark. So if that's something that you're interested in, you can download that over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course guide. And it's absolutely free. And then also just wanted to let you know, one of the things that I'm actually working on this year is a my second course, and it's actually going to be a course focused on online courses on helping you create, plan, and actually create, generate income from an online course. I want to make sure that I'm building this intentionally and with care. So if you sign up for that download, I'll send you some periodic updates with regard to content and what you would like in there. Hey friends, we are on sabbatical from the STC podcast. This is my first sabbatical in seven years, but we will be back in April with brand new episodes of the STC podcast. In the meantime, there are a lot of things happening still with STC. Uh, Among them is a brand new workshop that we put together for you that you can sign up at a date and time that works for you. If you are a successful private practitioner and interested in launching an online course, you can check out that workshop over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. Again, that's sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. Have a great rest of your week and I will see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Selling the Couch podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.sellingthecouch.com. So if you've been listening to the STC podcast for a while, or you've been listening to podcasts and you've had this thought of, Mel, I would love to launch my own podcast in order to grow my business. Just wanted to encourage you to check out our free podcasting workshop, which is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop. You can basically sign up at a day and a time that works for you. It's 90 minutes. And when I do these workshops or when I record them, I truly believe in the quality teaching, so it's going to be well worth your time. We're going to go through gear recommendations and how to launch strategically and how to think about monetizing your podcast and how to line up your podcast with your existing offers and how to do it strategically and authentically uh, and not salesy and slimy. 
um, and all of those things. So again, the link is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop.